Welcome back. Welcome. Welcome back to the M2 Podcast. This is episode 16. This is a place where we cover esports and personalities, gaming industry-related news, new and upcoming games, technology, and innovation. I am your host, Michael Anthony, my co-host, the return of Mr. Return. Jay, Mr. Kyle Heath. He was out last week. He was at HCS uh, Kansas City, and sure he's back. Um, and I guess what we should get out of the way, you're, you're a little bit sick from the trip. Yeah, yeah, um, unfortunate, but uh, I did catch a little something. Uh, I don't think it's COVID because I tested negative at a with an at home kid. Yeah, it's Excellent. very good news. Um, but I don't know what it was. I, there was a few of us that got sick in the group we went with, so something was going around. But I don't know what it was. You know, you're you're not the only one because I told you I got sick last week, maybe a week and a half ago. Uh, some of my coworkers got sick like this week. Hopefully, not from me. Pretty sure not for me because they they like a couple of them were already sick beforehand. Like a couple that I hadn't even like came in contact with. You guys said you got sick. I have some other friends and like family members that have gotten sick. So maybe there's just like a cold going around or something. Yeah, something. Everybody, everybody's testing negative. So yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's the best news. I don't know. It's like uh, at least assuming it doesn't get worse from here. Like I'm a lot better than I was yesterday, and like I've only. Yeah. I was only sick for like a couple days, so it was very short. So I'm suspecting it's probably nothing serious. Yeah, that's good. You're feeling better though. But uh, oh, yeah. you want to fill us in on HCS? How how was the trip last weekend? Um, dude, it was a lot of fun, man. I had to say it was worth it. Uh, I uh, I think overall the event, the tournament itself, uh, they did a very good job. Like Halo did a very good job running it. I think overall, at least also from a competitive perspective, I didn't compete, but from what I saw, matches seemed to run smoother. Um, it was still, of That's course, good. like, you know, like console issues in some parts and like they did have some production issues. Um, some more kind of game breaking than others, uh, games crashing a lot, especially on main stage. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it is what it is, but it was also some like funny stuff. Like I think at one point, especially when Optic was playing, there was a one point where Trippy's like cam cause they had the cams on each of the players, his cam yeah. flipped upside <laughs> down and like everyone was just laughing. So it was the funniest <laughs> thing ever. Um, like that happened. There was also 1.2 when Optic was playing. Like, I feel like most of this stuff happened when they were playing, at least more from what I noticed. But it's like there was one point where they were switching perspectives of who was playing in game and they just had APG on the screen. So, like, you just saw his perspective, but they'd be on any perspective and it would just stay in his cam for whatever reason. <laughs> That's funny. That's another really good one. Um, but yeah, I mean, Open Bracket was on Xboxes and, you know, most, I feel like I have a good idea how most people, especially competing, feel about having to play on an Xbox. So it is what it is. But, uh, but yeah. um, overall, I don't think it was, um, there was a lot less people that competed, so there wasn't nearly as much milking as there was at uh, the Raleigh event. So that was good. I mean, I think more people got to play and they didn't have to wait around as much. Uh, I think FFA2 ran smoother. Um, they did the sign up on Saturday and then the entirety of Sunday was spent playing the FFA. So it was kind of, you know, we didn't have to worry about like if you had to play Saturday night and Sunday, it was just like sign up now, play Sunday and that's it. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I know, um, so I'm in a couple of, like, competitive discords for Halo Infinite, and I saw people using, like, the at eights command, or role, to basically, like, get people, but what they're doing is they're like, at eights, we need people at station, like, 20, so that people were coming <laughs> yeah. over and playing, like, LAN uh, money eights matches, oh, yeah. and I was yeah. like, oh, so, so they had open play, because in Rumbly, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. Which is, 
it's pretty sick yeah i mean they had open play which is great too i mean you didn't have to like there was no formal way of doing it you kind of just like go to a station yeah. and play which is cool i mean they had the officials around if you needed help or anything but i know i even i, I even hopped on one of the dev kits and played like online <laughs> like i just hopped in like ranked yeah. i had no one to play with so i'd like hopped in ranked played a couple games and like one of the uh one of the i guess the event like coordinators or the, the match coordinators he walked over and he was like hey if you need help with anything let me know but you're free to play it's kind of just you walk up and play it was pretty cool um definitely i think a lot a lot better than raleigh because that, that was one thing that kind of sucked it's like you had all these stations open you just they were sitting there and no one could play on them yeah but there was also these teams that if they got knocked out and then they just decided to do money eights then like people could they could make a little bit of money off you know just kind of like having these yeah. pickup games it's fun and, man. and you're the other cool thing about doing that um, for people that are like super competitive after those like because sometimes people will just not place well and their teams will shatter on the yeah. spot mm -hmm. there were like people flying out that night or like the day the next morning so instead of doing that they can stay for the full event and they can play with other people and be like hey man like you and i mesh well together on land you want to like try this at the next event that kind of thing yeah and just networking and building a better community so yeah it's exactly. like pretty cool to see yeah it's really cool to see i think uh it kind of helps build that confidence too because if you don't compete as well at the event but then you do really yeah. well in like money eights you're like okay there's something here we can build upon this and hopefully come back in the next event stronger kind of gives that confidence especially on land absolutely because um, i because i'll tell you right now that i think nobody expected the outcome of this event um especially on main stage like the main teams um pool play and everything um i know going into it personally for me optic was a favorite of mine like i i think everyone a lot of yeah. people were like oh they played so yeah, well online like surely they're gonna do well on land and it just wasn't the case like optic ended up placing third of the event overall and sentinels ended up taking first which i don't think anyone predicted that <laughs> that was like no they, they, they look like they're in shambles right i mean <laughs> they, at the past of, yeah i mean at the past events too especially like i know anaheim is the first time they had royal too but even then that's like they only had one event with them and they didn't yeah. i think they placed like fourth i don't even remember but they definitely didn't place like as well as they could have and so no. going into kc it's like whoa like this team they've been practicing like you could tell um yeah well when you guys were there remember uh i sent you guys the dm and i was just talking about sentinels like trying to list everybody that was in the different group plays and yeah. i think uh some maybe it was nick nick might have said something about like lethal being like a liability and i was just like right off the top it was like yeah he didn't play particularly well admittedly but that entire roster went silent for like weeks yeah like they weren't posted on twitter they weren't live on stream um they were just kind of like radio silent definitely comparative to where they were like around Anaheim. It was like after Anaheim, they just stopped. It was yeah. like they had a come to Jesus <laughs> meeting of like, guys, we won like every event in Halo 5 and we're getting beat by Cloud9 now. Yeah. So they they obviously turned it around in the in between Anaheim to Kansas City. So that's pretty cool right. to see. Yeah, it's awesome to see. And I mean, I think overall lethal lethal, especially in pool play, like he just didn't perform well. And so going yes. into like the Chambrack and like all that, it's like, Dude, okay, I don't know off. how I don't know how they're gonna do and then all of a sudden they just like they honed in clicked and then all of a sudden they're yeah. just they're shutting out teams and just 4-0ing every match they have it's like it's crazy man um yeah, they, but they, yeah they know how to show up man they didn't For drop sure. a single game did they i don't think they did not in uh especially not in like uh well see i don't know i think in champion they, didn't I don't drop know they dropped <laughs> yeah i don't know group, i know that I, I know in uh i know in the grand finals they didn't drop and <laughs> they were they 4 no, um and twice yeah no no, no they did one. lose. They did lose in Grand... 
Yeah, grand finals for winners. Not grand finals. Winners finals. Yeah, yeah. They did lose a couple of games, I think. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, to cl- they lost to Optic two games, three, two. Right? Yeah, I think yeah. something like that. Yeah, they definitely dropped some games. I mean, regardless, like, no one expected it. I think, uh, them taking first, it's kind of like because a lot of casters, you know, going into the event were like, well, this is the most like competitive, like, these are definitely going to be the most competitive pools we've seen in Halo yet. And they were, they yeah. weren't kidding, man. Like, <laughs> it's just like no one expected Sentinels to take that victory and, optic to play how they did like c9 especially like just like like no offense but they just seemed checked out <laughs> like in the in the, in the seemed, grand finals like it was just not good yeah when they played sentinels they both times they just looked lost and flustered they yeah. did like the astro listen in and that entire roster was just they weren't communicating effectively like everything mm-hmm. was just really flustered and like i think clogged would be the best way to put it like the comms were just clogged yeah, and then they switch over to Sentinels, and it's like lethal, just dictating what the team needs to do, <laughs> and everybody's just keeping like very calm, cool, collected. Snake bites over here, just like yeah, guys, they're just like uh, they're, we need to get these rockets next. And then Royal ones in the background as the coach is like get the rockets. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> the players are actually chill. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's funny. Yeah, dude, it was it was a great event. I think it, especially if you like competitive Halo, it was fun to watch. Like it's at the end of the it, day, um, it, and so it I was. Yeah, I was really glad I went in person and saw uh, the matches because it was a lot of fun. And I'm also yeah. looking forward to Orlando. I think I'm definitely going to go. So, Yeah, five um, months away. So. Yeah, into September. So uh, yeah. should be a good one. Yeah, tickets are uh, are cheap out of like my airport on both yeah. airports. So I'm sure it should be pretty good for you too. Yeah, I honestly, I think I might drive. I know I'm like, I'm not too far. I'm only a couple states over, so. Uh, it's How many hours is that? Like, like is it less than ten? I think it's yeah, it's like yeah. eight. It's not too bad. So it's do- yeah, it's doable. And I think yeah. I have like a hard cutoff at like nine. I, right, if it's yeah. over nine, I'm I'm flying, dude. Yeah, that, that's fair. <laughs> like that's kind of my rule too. But yeah, eight hours. I think I think it's bit like if there's one thing I learned from like traveling at this, it's like I'm reminded how beneficial it is to have a car if you can have one. Because oh, <laughs> yeah. it's like, dude, Ubering around, so convenient. like walking and. Like, don't get me wrong, I don't mind walking, but especially Ubering around. If you want to go anywhere that's like 10, 15 minutes from the venue, it's like you're calling an Uber and it's probably not going to be um, expensive. Like, it's probably going to be expensive, you know? Yeah, a lot of things that people don't realize when they go to like these land events, um, a lot of the time they're just in the, like these big giant conference, like warehouses almost, where everything's just concrete. So yeah. if you're not wearing the proper shoes, you can beat up your feet pretty easily. Oh yeah. And then if you're stuck without a car and having to walk everywhere, like man, you're gonna <laughs> burn like eight thousand calories a day, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. like because you're up from like you're in that venue from like eight to ten sometimes. Yeah. And no. In between there, you're walking around the city. It's like it's crazy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, the last thing I'll say about it too is Kansas City as a city. I really enjoyed. It's a nice, like, quiet oh, really? city, and yeah. I mean, it, it was. It was nice and quiet. Uh, it was it was clean. It was. Uh, I think I think it benefited from being a smaller city because <laughs> it was just like there wasn't too much going on. Um, I know there was like there was like some party buses and stuff. I think we saw Saturday night. So I was like, yeah, this city can kind of get crazy, but like it wasn't anything. It wasn't anything like yeah. Raleigh. <laughs> at least when we were at Raleigh. I we saw the heart of that. Um, oh yeah, I took you to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it was it was it was an experience. I'll say that. Um, but yeah. I think Orlando should be interesting too. I haven't been. I don't know if I've been like in the heart of Orlando. So um, you haven't been in downtown Orlando yet. I don't think so. Like no. ever? No, I've been yeah, to like cause... Disney and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but... see, Disney is like 
its own city right and yeah. same thing kind of like with universal right so when you go to orlando and you only go to those two spots you're not really in orlando like downtown orlando has like really cool bar scene really really good food it's like the drinks the atmosphere is really nice and the weather's always good especially yeah. at night just, oh, i yeah. mean that's just florida in general but like yeah orlando is a good location but you gotta actually go to downtown orlando to experience <laughs> yeah. it you know so, yeah yeah hopefully i get to do that at the next event should be fun yeah absolutely sir well we do cover the news yeah and uh we might as well get to that so the news for the last week what do you got for us um well, let's take a look shall we uh we have a we have uh i don't know six six ish articles I have a decent amount to go through uh the first article i found was on uh, search engine journal and it's about youtube live adding a redirect viewers feature to other channels uh, it's very similar. If you are a Twitch user, I'm sure you know about raids. It's pretty much that. Um, but YouTube added it this past week. And uh, I think it's about time, right? Like, <laughs> this is yeah, something it I... absolutely is. It, it's something they've... I, I've heard it's kind of in the works, kind of like that, and like GIF, like subs and stuff like that. Kind of like Twitch has GIF subs. I know YouTube's trying to do something similar. Um, and, and I believe it's coming out soon, at least from what I've heard. But this is a... Uh, this is another thing that's making YouTube Live that much more of a... Uh, of an interest, I think, especially if you're an upcoming streamer um, or you're thinking about streaming at all. Um, this feature just kind of adds on to that. And uh, I think raids overall, I noticed like, um, I think Twitch raids can help to an extent, but they don't help as much as like people seem to think. Um, yeah. It's definitely cool if you like say like, hey, here's a creator I really like and he just so happens to be streaming. Why don't you go hang out with him? And it's cool they get that viewer boost and everything, but uh, I know oftentimes it doesn't really like, not many of those viewers stay, but I still like that feature, and I'm really glad YouTube has, like, decided to add that. Um, I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on all of this, Mike? Well, I mean, I can piggyback off of your comments about Twitch raids. I, I don't think they really help much either. It's one of those things that if you're basically, like, a, a brand-new smaller streamer, you don't have very many viewers, it's one of those initial boosters boosts where I feel like is a good opportunity to help you sort of train or practice for a bigger audience and a, a chat moving quickly. Also, I mean, having that many people, like let's say it's a couple hundred and you're used to like 10, that can be kind of like a, kind of like that stage fright feeling you would get. Like if you're trying to do a performance in front of a big group of people staring at you. So being emotionally prepared for that is good practice too. But when it comes to like retention rate, I don't think it helps at all. Oh um, yeah. I don't think there's really any stats for that, but with YouTube implementing it, I mean, it's definitely about time. And you know, this is coming on the heels of the, um, I mean, you and I watched it about uh, Ludwig confronting the CEO of YouTube and yeah. he had a big thing about YouTube gaming and like live streams and all the problems it has. And he was making comparisons to Twitch. And one of the things he actually mentioned was raids and hosting. Yeah. So it's kind of cool that one of the things that they mentioned is actually being implemented. Yeah. Yeah, if you've learned anything out of this is that YouTube pays attention and YouTube will listen to yes. criticism yeah. and implement it, um, which is always a great trait. But yeah, to, I mean, to your point too, I think, you know, raids, like you said, it could prep you, especially if like huge streamer raids, a smaller streamer could help oh. kind of prep you for that. I mean, granted, it's like trial by fire because it's like instant, right? Like all of a yeah. sudden you, have, like, <laughs> you could have like thousands of people watching you. It's like, whoa. But I mean, at the same time, and also it, it's a... Uh, it kind of, you know, it, it does it does help you in many ways. 
many more ways than you probably think. But um, but yeah, I mean, I don't have too much more to add on this. I think it's very exciting. Uh, this is a step in YouTube dominating the streaming space because they get closer and closer every month. I mean, it's kind of just, I it's mean, coming. Yeah, it's it's almost here. I really do. It there, I mentioned it so many times. Like there, there are a couple of UI changes away, and then Twitch becomes irrelevant. It's like the only thing Twitch has at this point is the creators that are currently on the platform. And as you can tell, like there are a lot of big name creators leaving. Yeah. So yeah, that's I mean, not good for Twitch. Like yeah. at all. I like I didn't have the article in here, but I, I believe Saikuno, I think is how you say yes. his name. He yeah. recently left for YouTube and he was on Twitch. He did. Um so now he's a YouTube streamer full time. And he had a big following. <laughs> and like he another big fish that they took from Twitch. You know, you know what their uh, his his breaking point was. I did. I, you, did you I hear about it. I didn't see the clip, but I saw like the YouTube clips about him talking about it. I yeah, see him, he, Twitch in an email misspelled his name, and mm. basically called him like Sakono or something like that. <laughs> Dude. Like something that's. I mean, it's not that offensive. Like right. you got to be annoyed if you're a Twitch partner and you have like thousands of viewers. And they misspell your name on the verge of your contract expiring. Dude. You know? It, yeah. That's I'm unfortunate. Out. I mean... Well, th this... Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, like, I don't know who writes those emails. I mean, if it was, like, a human, they're probably just, like... It was probably just a typo, but still, like, just reread it. Come on. Like, don't just, like... Yeah. I always double-check my emails before I send them. That's, like, how I've always been. I Triple. feel like that's how just most people should be. Yeah. But, Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, another good example of that, um, somebody that you and I like look up to when it comes to their content creation is Harris Heller and uh, the Alpha Gaming channel. Mm -hmm. And he helps out like a bunch of like smaller streamers, like people getting started, like pretty good, pretty good. Uh, it's called very, very strong resource for people that are trying to stream and content creation. The reason he left is because they didn't even bother to reach out to him and they weren't responding to any of his contacts or emails. Yeah. That he was like reaching out about his contact, like his contract expiring, and then yeah. it eventually just expired, and he didn't have a contract. So he's like, "I'm gonna go to YouTube." Yeah, I mean, they don't care. Yeah, so like, yeah, I remember that too. Like he, because he, it he was, was like spur of the moment. I remember he announced he's like, he like, he's like, he's like, well, uh, no streams this week. I'll be back in a few days, and then he didn't say why. And then later yeah. he released a video saying he was going to YouTube. And then when he explained on YouTube, like one of his first streams was like, yeah, so my partnership ended on Twitch. There was no indication it was ending. It just like he one day just know. ended. And I was like, uh, I was not made aware of it. Uh, I haven't heard anything from Twitch about it. So yeah, I just switched platforms. <laughs> like, And then he's a Twitch partner or YouTube partner now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> now it's, you know, and he, you know, he's able to build his YouTube channel up off Alpha Gaming <laughs> off the back of that. So I already had the following oh. might as well. Yeah. He also basically quit streaming and YouTube because of his uh, stream beats, though. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. That, would, that popped off the same time. So right. obviously he's going to be like, he, he actually got FU money. And then he was like, yeah, FU. <laughs> and he used it. I mean, yeah. So he's I mean, out. You know, so. I don't blame him. Because uh, stream beats is a very successful, uh, very successful little business. And we used a lot of their music at the start of this podcast. So <laughs> thank you, stream yeah. beats. Yeah. Um, shout out. Oh, yeah, shout out. Uh, Last thing we should mention about this whole YouTube integrating new features um, that are competitive with Twitch is we do need to uh, go through and start doing some pros and cons about YouTube, Facebook, 
Twitch, even TikTok, and like what you should stream on and what the pros and cons are. Yeah, so, yeah, I think yeah, I think that's uh, a move. Yeah, I heard you mention it last week that we definitely need to make like a separate piece on that, and I agree. Uh, it'd be nice yeah. to just like sit down and say, "Here's all the streaming platforms. Here's the pros, the cons. What we think you should do. What probably is the best fit for you, and what might not be." So that's yeah. definitely coming up. Uh, keep an eye out for that one. Yeah, definitely. For sure. So uh, moving on, I saw an article from PC Gamer. Um, Alan Dexter wrote this, saying that DDR5 is finally relevant for PC gaming. And uh, so for those who don't know, DDR4 memory has kind of been the mainstay for a few years now. Um, of course, as you could guess before, it was DDR3, 2, and 1. Um, yeah. I, I remember I think I like, really started getting into PC stuff whenever DDR3 was out. And then when DDR4 came out, I was like, whoa, like, <laughs> like that's kind of quick. And then now I'm hearing about DDR5, it doesn't surprise me. But it is kind of like, whoa, like we've been doing DDR4 for so long. It's, at least it feels like a while. Um, anyways, DDR5 memory is now uh, being manufactured and is now going to be more and more relevant for gaming. And uh, essentially, the, the more and more relevance is, it seems like it's going to be we're actually going to start seeing benefits in game from this higher clock speed and lower latency we're getting out of DDR5 or yeah, DDR5. So, and, uh, and the article kind of explains, you know, you know, a uh, G skill, they, they just announced the first DDR5 memory sticks with a sub 30 cast latency. The new DDR5 memory will appear under the Trident Z5, RGB Trident Z5 and Rip Jaws S5 brands and will be available in 32 gigs, and 64 gigs. So you get two 16-gig sticks and uh, two 32-gig sticks, respectively. You will also pick up from DDR5-5600 and DDR5-5200 frequencies, with both frequencies offering a cast latency of 28. Um, as these latencies drop, the real-world cast latency of these kits actually challenges the responsiveness of decent CL16 DDR4 kits. I know I'm throwing a lot of like numbers out there, mm -hmm. but just know... And they, they, they go on to say, you know, what this means is that we'll actually start seeing benefits in game. We've seen a push of higher frequencies recently, but we need those latencies to come down as well. So the release of these, it, it's getting to the point where we're starting to see some serious benefit come out of DDR5 because, you know, because of these lower latencies and um, all this. And, you know, this is going to, I suspect this is going to be more and more of a trend, especially as DDR5 ages that, you know, that, that not only will CPU and the GPU have the biggest impact, but we'll start seeing a noticeable impact out of the memory speed. And um, it doesn't surprise me as someone who's kind of followed like PCs for a while, like, you know, the whole like um, the CPU market, the GPU market, and kind of seeing, you know, what's new. It doesn't surprise me, but um, what do you think, Mike? Well, I mean, uh, so it's obviously like DDR4, they're going to continue like continuing the upgrades and innovation on RAM, just in general, like all technology is going to keep getting better and better. So this just DDR5 means the fifth generation. And what the, I guess like the too long didn't read version of this article for people that are just gaming is you're going to be able to get a couple more frames per second out of having a faster RAM stick. But for somebody that's like high intensive programming, any type of applications that demand a bunch of RAM, this is going to make your programs go faster. So with, when it comes to gaming, they pretty much utilize like your CPUs and GPUs in particular for um, like speeds and all the performance data. But what they're essentially getting at now is like between DDR3 and 4 and all the different clock speeds, there wasn't much. Uh, what, what do you want to say? Like 
cost to performance ratio. Like the more you spend, it's not going to really boost the performance of your game. You're just better off getting a better graphics card. Right. But now they're trying to say like, okay, well, DDR5 is at the point of technology where if you do buy it, it's actually going to benefit the games. Mm -hmm. And it's only a matter of time until games start taking advantage of the higher clock speeds and just overall frequencies of the RAM. Yeah. And I mean, at a certain point, it's diminishing returns, right? Like exactly. you can only put so much money yeah. in before it's actually worth the amount of money you're putting in. Um, exactly. And yeah. also another quick note that this article goes into, they, they said that Intel's 12th gen Alder Lake processors support this newer standard of DDR5 as well as DDR4. However, AMD Zen 4, which is coming out later this year into 2023, is rumored to only support DDR5. So it's an important that's, note. It's that's a, weird. Yeah, it's a very important thing to note, I guess, if you're shopping for, if you like yeah. want to go ahead and get the latest and greatest Intel, you might as well. Um, so you can still use your DDR4 yeah. kit because once you get to Zen 4, I mean, you're going to have to get a whole new RAM. Like, you can't use the same stuff. So, um, it, definitely an interesting choice. Um, I, I know, yeah, that's you know, interesting. I mean, I'm sure AMD is just looking ahead. And if they're, if they're saying it only supports DDR5, I wonder, part of me thinks that Zen 4 is probably going to be insanely cracked beyond belief if yes. it's only supporting ddr5 because if they're only yes. doing that there's got to be some limitation on ddr4 that like right. intel doesn't address which is going to like send zen 4 to the moon you know what i mean yeah like, i agree that's exactly what i was about to come at you and say like the amd uh three zen three like the 37 or 36 or whatever up 3000 series up yeah like it's been proven that the higher like certain frequencies perform really well with certain AMDs and three processors, and yep. you need to like match them up almost like a one for one kind of thing. Like the shoe fits kind of ideal. And if Zen Four, like you just said, only supports DDR five, and that's the newest, fastest, most expensive. It's like, bro, like is AMD about to just skyrocket in performance and leave Intel yeah. behind? Yeah, again. I mean, because <laughs> like I am especially in the market too, like for a new PC soon. But like I, I yeah. wanted to wait and see what Zen Four had to offer, because I guess and this just like proved my point even more of why I want to wait. Because like I want to see yeah. what these like specs, I like I want to see what these numbers are whenever they do performance like benchmarks and stuff. Like, is Zen Four going to come out swinging? It sounds like it. Um, uh, so I, yeah. I definitely, I definitely want to see what the new architecture has in store before I make a decision on, you know, when to upgrade my motherboard CPU hold on and if it'll be actually yeah. worth you know upgrading the ram too amd to the moon that's basically what we're getting at now <laughs> yeah take a take a look at the stock and thank us later that's all i'll say um, yeah ddr5 it's here to stay it's going to be the new uh mainstream thing especially in the coming years so we're gonna see uh we're i think i get a, i get the feeling we're gonna see some absolutely insane performance uh, out of games, especially in the next couple of years, uh, especially with DDR5 and new architectures and smaller chipsets, and it's going to get crazy. Yeah, I know what my YouTube uh, future is going to look like when it comes to um, watch history. It's going <laughs> to be all the tech YouTubers, just because they get all the stuff almost like early, and they do reviews of it, and sometimes they leave little Easter eggs of like, I can't legally mention this, but you should wait to build or buy PCs, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, it's about to hit. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. I know, I feel like we're going to see that from a lot of the YouTubers. It's like, they normally awfully, they oftentimes I feel like don't say wait, like just don't, just get what you have now because it's going to be upgraded in the future anyway. But yeah. it could be a big enough leap coming up that it might be worth the wait. So I would say give it to the end of the year and we'll and I go Absolutely. from there for thinking about upgrading. Um, 
but you know what? Uh, I think, it's, unfortunately, I think our cameras may block a little bit of this graph, but uh, I saw an article from uh, Protocol. It was about uh, mobile gaming surpassing 100 billion this year in uh, sales so far. It's very interesting to me because uh, I guess uh, Nuzu, they did a per segment with year-on-year growth rates of, I guess, games in the global market. They talked about uh, 2022, the total kind of gaming market is 203 billion globally. And uh, mobile is currently 103.5 billion of that. That's across tablet games and smartphone games. And then console games is 58.6 billion. PC games, download and box PC games are 38 billion. And then PC browser games, so if you're just in the browser, that's 2.3. Um, but I mean, majority of this chart is mobile. Uh, over 50% is mobile. So um, I know we had talked about this, I think, at some point uh, pretty recently about you know mobile gaming and how it is like just kind of taking over. And I don't know, this kind of proves that point, Mike, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I actually, side note about mobile gaming, I mean, this is going to pertain directly to year-to-year uh, -year growth sales of, like, games, but it does tie into mobile gaming when it comes to a competitive sense. So I did do some research. Out of curiosity, I stumbled upon this. I think I was trying to, like, show something else entirely. But I was just curious, but... The second most, like the biggest uh, prize pool in 2022, the second one, well, the first one's Dota 2. The second one is PUBG on mobile <laughs> at $4.5 million. Jeez. There were 12 tournaments over that amount. And then they got like other ones on here that I'm just, I'm stunned over. Uh, so they got like chess i mean that's a super popular one but there was another one in particular that was only a mobile game that was just nutty yeah mobile legends bang bang it's like that had close to three hundred thousand. so i mean mobile games are here to stay is what i'm really getting out of here but the, the one thing that i find most um strange is the browser pc games dropped that's the only one that dropped in this entire yeah. graph yeah, that is and interesting. 16.9% year over year. And I wonder if it has anything to do with how like browser platforms like Instagram and uh Facebook, you can download the apps on like the Microsoft Store now. Yeah. So maybe you can play that like you know you can play games through Facebook and through like yeah, through other social media platforms. I think that might pertain to some of the reasons why it doesn't have this uh growth pattern either yeah maybe i feel like most of that the pc browser games i feel like most of that's just roblox and i could be wrong but i feel like it takes a majority of that market <laughs> and maybe roblox is dying i don't know i don't play like roblox that much you know so i don't really know but um but yeah i mean there's not there's not a whole that comes to mind for pc browser games unless you're like you used to do like cool math games if that even counts i don't i don't know if that like is in like in that kind of vein where you know, or like Newgrounds, I think used to be huge back in the day. Those are browser games, but I mean, I think overall, a lot of those browser games too are like they're Flash games, right? Like Flash is what yeah. they were developed on, and Flash is no longer supported. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that actually did end last year, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. So I mean, into twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, I can't remember, but I mean, it was fairly recent that Flash ended. So that that could be another reason why that is taking a hit. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's the only one that decreased out of every single platform. You know what? You're you're right. It ended July first, twenty twenty one. There you go. And all those games were likely built on Flash, and they were all on major web developers like Safari, Chrome, Edge, and Firefox. Yeah. And then they removed it completely. Yeah. I mean, now it's all what so, I guess HTML based, like <laughs> most of them now yeah. is the more modern ones. You could pretty much do what you could in Flash through just like you know HTML5 yeah. and all that. So it's like there's no point really. But... Yeah, it's a good point. It basically became obsolete, which is why they got rid of it. Adobe doesn't need it anyway. They're crushing it every other facet. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they don't need it. Um, yeah, but overall, how do you feel about the uh, the mobile game growth? I mean, a lot of people like hardcore PC console players are just like mobile gaming. You, yeah, that's no. not real. Yeah, I feel like it's always been like that. But, like, I mean, everyone has a phone, so it makes sense. Like, you know what I mean? If everyone had an Xbox, we'd see huge numbers out of Xbox. If everyone had a console, you know, we would see that. So it only makes sense to me that mobile gaming is so huge. And, I mean, dude, the microtransactions are so easy to sell on mobile, like, just anyone that has a phone. It's like the everyone already has it, and then, like, there's a lot of games that just milk, like, microtransactions. So it doesn't surprise me, you know? I think yeah. it's... uh. Those gamers are definitely the most prone to falling for those microtransactions. So, um, accidentally clicking on it and stuff. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, that could happen sometimes, you know. So yeah, definitely does not surprise me. Will that number get bigger? Probably. Um. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't doubt that. I, mean, I think every one of those numbers is going to get bigger. I mean, yeah. What's interesting? I mean, if we look at the year-over-year -year percentages, I mean, console games had the highest growth out of all of them. Uh, mobile games altogether had what is that six point six point nine percent growth I guess total um so I'd seen yeah, a little a lot, bit of growth, yeah. but consoles seen slightly higher growth, which you know especially those new consoles you know it's becoming uh consoles are good they're getting good and uh but p c gaming too i mean three percent and like part of me kind of wishes that was higher because like p c gaming is just the way to go because like even if you don't use keyboard and mouse you use a controller right like and you just get but better experience. There's one inconvenience though. You can't take it anywhere. I mean, there's there's options though to that too, I would argue. I mean, there's definitely uh there's definitely portable not only portable builds you can make, but there's also like I know like Alienware tried to get to, you know, that kind of, you know, small desktop yeah, market. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know how well they did, but like um, super mini I ATX or whatever. Yeah, it was like I is it IPX, I think. It was like the tiny, yeah. like really small ones. Just um, buy an Xbox at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really could. But yeah, I mean, but I mean, I with Xbox and PlayStation, no. I know at least on PlayStation 4, and I'm sure it's still the same, you could just plug a keyboard and mouse into it. And some games support it, some games don't. Which, you know, yeah. it's fine, but... But yeah, I mean, um, I think it's good to see that console games are still growing. But I think mobile's just going to get bigger and bigger, man. I mean, even all together, so too. The 2022 total, 203.1 billion. I mean that that's even grown five percent year over year. So I mean, altogether, gaming's still growing. Um, yeah, yeah, it's going to continue to grow too because we got to remember, like, not just games being sold and like all this kind of stuff, but like the expansion of games into a public medium, like televisions and movies, and yeah. just making games overall more accessible, like. There are different niches and communities that are becoming super popular and like more mainstream. And as that grows, people are going to be touching games for the first time ever 
and that number is just going to keep going up higher and higher and higher that like people our age and older who grew up playing video games are going to have children their children are eventually going to start playing it's like you just keep going it's a cycle yeah. now it's like an yeah. entire like economy that's it's going to be nuts yeah definitely going to be crazy um and yeah it's only going to grow but uh i think overall if you want more details on the chart and kind of a further breakdown uh we'll of course leave a link to the article in the description because they go into a little detail but it is a uh rather short read so shouldn't take up too much time if you want to give it a look um yeah too but the, gr- read. The, the graph the graph alone though it's uh it gives That's away great. most of the uh, most of the info so all right moving on to the next article we have a little bit of an unfortunate news for the mafia developer mafia studio um Hangar 13, the studio lead, or it's the boss of Hangar 13, is actually leaving in the midst of the Mafia, of the new Mafia game that's in development. Uh, LucasArts veteran Hayden Blackman reveal, or leaves the troubled 2K studio of Mafia 4 in early development. Um, he later went on to say he wants to pursue his passion at a new endeavor, which is why he's leaving. And, um, I, like, I, I don't know, I don't know if I should be, like, super worried about it, because I know, uh, I know a lot of studios, especially like, you know, when they start losing like leads and people that are higher up, it's like it can be concerning, especially if it's like if the number grows larger and larger, a female that's leaving. But I mean, in this case, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, he was a studio lead, but I um, I don't know how that's going to. I mean, granted, the I know the Mafia 1 remake was really good. I'm pretty sure Hangar 13 did that. So I have high hopes that Mafia 4 would be good. But I mean, it's um, I feel like it's hard to tell about, you know how much this is actually going to affect the game, especially right now. I mean, because Mafia 4 is especially in early development, so hopefully uh, there's not too much to be left behind um, when Hayden leaves. But, um, I mean, I don't know. Have you played much of the Mafia games, Mike? I actually haven't. You know, the most I really know about Mafia is from your your actual content where you're doing the live play or the like the Let's Plays mm. and doing reviews of everything. So I'm not too knowledgeable about it, but I do know from experience of like some of my favorite developers and and games losing studio heads, uh, it's usually not a good thing unless they're going to like a really promising new position with like kind of like a dream job kind of scenario. Um, it's definitely this is definitely a, like a red flag. I feel like, but at the same time, there is a bit of a like a kind of a maybe a bright side to it with it being so early in development like he's not the only person that works at the studio mm-hmm. so there are other people underneath him or in above him at that position that can possibly you know keep it on track of what a successful mafia game should be what i do know is, is that the mafia games are critically acclaimed they're all from what i understand like highly well liked beloved yeah. rated so I know you love the series. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So, how do you feel about it, like emotionally? I mean, it's it's very I'd like. So, I'm kind of skimming through the article as we're discussing. Um, it says what 2K didn't mention in the email was that Matthew Urban, Hangar 13 CEO, has also left the studio. In a post stating, okay. "What an amazing ride at age 13. Let's see what let's see what is next." He wrote on LinkedIn. This shift comes as Hangar Hangar 13 pivots from original projects back to established franchises like Mafia open-world third-person shooter series that's often compared to Grand Theft Auto, except with a more mob-movie approach. So, I guess the CEO at some point left, but also, 
there's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. It says replacing Blackman is going to be Nick Baines. Currently, he's the current studio head at Hangar 13's Brighton UK office, which Hitaku understands to be leading development on the new Mafia game. While the project is still early in development, its codename is Nero and is expected to be a prequel to the Mafia trilogy. The plan is to make it an Unreal Engine 5 instead of the Mafia Ooh. 3 engine that was recently used for the remasters. More Unreal Engine 5, that's good news. Um, yeah. But also good news is like, you know, the studio hasn't left empty-handed, it sounds like. Um, it seems like it may yeah, they, not affect too much, especially if, the, if it's the UK office kind of heading the development and they already have, you know, the studio head there. It's uh, It looks like this may not uh, budge into development as much as we may think. So, So I feel a little bit better after reading that. Yeah, I mean, actually, yeah, it's not all doom and gloom. If they already have, like, they're basically their sister office um, working on it in the UK, I mean, that's pretty cool. Being Unreal Engine 5, I mean, we're absolutely in love with the future of Unreal Engine 5. We haven't even touched it yet. Yeah. <laughs> we're so big on it. Um, and then the other cool thing about it is, uh, like I said, it, it now it just seems like the big studio heads, the CEO, maybe they're just trying to find something new to work on. Like, yeah. these shifts come as Hangar 13 pivots from original projects back to the established franchise like Mafia. So it's maybe they were trying to do something a little bit newer and they didn't want to go revisit a successful tra like franchise. We've talked about it before about how, like, the view on video games is more about an art process and you should express yourself. If you keep doing the same painting over and over again, you're going to get bored. Yeah. So maybe it's the same with video games. Yeah. For sure. I mean, the article also goes on to state that, quote, with 30 years of industry leadership, Nick joined Hangar 13 in 2018 to establish Hangar 13 Brighton. It spent the last four years growing the team, building out the studio's capabilities, and launching terrific projects like Mafia Definitive Edition and the Mafia Trilogy. Which were fantastic, in my opinion, especially the re yeah. the remasters. Uh, there was a lot, there was also bugs, I think, in the second remaster um, that were, I guess, the, yeah, in the remaster that was, uh, there were some bugs in there that were patched pretty quickly i think i when i first played mafia 2 there was like an audio bug that was like kind of game breaking whenever i first played it and like a yeah. few days later it was patched out and the audio worked so they i mean they were quick on getting that game fixed um and pretty similar to mafia when the remake came out i think uh if there was any bugs they were quick to squish them but um i mean it's also hangar 13 i mean the, the, the article also goes on to state that it's kind of a it's been in a precarious position for years, the studio Hangar 13. After shipping the ambitious Mafia 3, it suffered two rounds of layoffs, first in 2017 and then again in 2018. The studio had several ideas for new IPs during this time and beyond. Um, Kotaku previously reported that one was a spy game revolving around music cues called Rap City. Or I guess, yeah, Rap City. Another was a class-based co-op action game in the vein of Destiny 2, <laughs> codenamed Volt. Um... And apparently that got canceled. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> that was, an, I think, development would take two. Um, it's, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, it's good that, you know, I think, although those games could have been interesting, the fact that they pivoted into Mafia and they uh, seem to have some footing there and they're working on a new game, I think, uh, I think all is looking up. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, I'm not too worried, I guess, that, you know, they lost their creative lead whenever they have. And I probably experienced if just as experienced if not more experienced guy taking the place so not too worried about it yeah well it'll be pretty interesting to see how this develops um hopefully take two doesn't go down the path of like activision or electronic arts and try to dictate exactly what the studio can do with their product or their ip 
I mean, technically yeah. it's take twos, but you know what I mean. Sometimes being a little bit too hand-on, it's not going to be good for the overall product. Um, but, I mean, Mafia is a good trilogy, a good uh, saga, I guess. And I think it could be successful. And like, yeah. like we've covered, I mean, it should be in good hands. So we'll just have to be one of those ones, wait and see. Hopefully more reports come out. We'll see how it goes. We certainly will. We certainly will. And you know what else I want to see how it goes? Oh, please tell I don't me. Know, I don't know if I said that right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but PlayStation, like Xbox, is looking to hire an acquisitions manager. Um, this, is coming, moves. this is coming from IGN. They are, in fact, making moves. Uh, PlayStation is hiring a director of corporate development to help identify acquisition opportunities and bolster its collection of first-party studios. We love to hear that. Mm -hmm. um, they actually said in a uh, Twitter post this uh, past, I guess, earlier this week, uh, saying that SIE is seeking a director of corporate development um, to be responsible for identifying inorganic growth opportunities through acquisitions, investments, and joint ventures, attractive M&A &M and investment opportunities. And they, uh, I guess, posted that job posting. Um, and uh, I don't know, there's, there's not like too much... There's not too much more detail to go into. I, I will say that I think this is just, it's exciting because it's, you know, PlayStation is trying to do something similar to Xbox and Xbox is doing it so right. The fact that PlayStation yeah. is willing to follow suit and not just like be like pissed and not do anything about it, I think is fantastic. So this is, this is amazing, you know? You know what I'm saying, Mike? I, I know what you're saying, but I do have a slight concern, okay? Um... First of all, I want to go ahead and uh, preemptively say, like, I'm excited for PlayStation to be making some moves, but I also feel uh, like they're trying to chase what Xbox is doing, and I feel like they're three years too late. You know what I mean? And they're trying yeah. to play catch up to try to create a can like a they've just like let's just cover it over, okay? Like I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but like let's do a recap. Sony has basically come out and started posting some of their, like, legacy games, huge titles, and bringing them to PC. They're trying to come out, like, Xbox has done that too. They're trying to do some form of a Sony, Sony PlayStation Plus, which is essentially like the Xbox Game Pass. They recently went and started a job posting about uh, PC integration for Sony games hiring, like a job hiring for that position, and now they're doing an acquisition manager. So, I... I think they're just too late. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's definitely possible that they're too late. I mean, it, I mean, Microsoft has so much now. It's like you know what's left, yeah. kind of thing. Um, and I can see that. I mean, I don't know if, I mean, I think they'll still be able to get some good, um, some good studios. Albeit, I can't think of too much off the top of my head. But uh, I'm assuming, it, I'm sure, if I looked at a list and said like, "Oh wait, there's actually a decent amount of studios here that like don't have an affiliation with either you know product, so or either brand," so there's probably some good ones out there. I mean, but also like, who knows? You know, what would be kind of crazy if we saw Microsoft and Sony try to work out deals for Sony to buy studios. Could you imagine that? Like they were just like, "Hey, we know you have this studio, but like." What if we gave you this like amount of money and like they end up making more money off like an acquisition? Like, like oh, what if they picked up like yeah. some Bethesda studios and they paid for like over half of what they paid for just like a couple studios? <laughs> and it's like Xbox would be making a lot of money off that. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I could see that happening, but I also think like Xbox is just trying to create the ultimate subscription product, and there's no real incentive for them to lose studios because yeah. they just want to sell the subscription at this point. Right. Yeah. If you I lose mean, a studio, you're losing the value of the subscription. Yeah. I mean, that's true too. It's like, and, I mean, who knows? At the end of the day, that may not be Mark. Like, I'm willing to believe that's probably not Microsoft's interest at this point. Like you were saying, yeah. it's kind of just like, there's really no point in them like ditching studios at all. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it, like, because we know back in February, we know PlayStation purchased Bungie, which is a pretty, right. pretty decent get, especially with Destiny 2 being the size that it is. That's, um, that was a pretty good studio to buy. And I, it was something I didn't realize Microsoft like didn't have. <laughs> like, I figured, you know, since they had Halo, like, oh, shoot, they're probably partnered with Microsoft in some way. But no, that wasn't the case. Bungie was their own thing. And, uh, and Sony bought them $3.6 billion. Um, so it's, uh, it definitely, you know, the, there's probably a lot more studios out there that I'm not thinking of at the moment that, uh, that could definitely, like, probably benefit being on the PlayStation wing. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, like, it's going to be very hard, dare I say, impossible for them to create a roster that Microsoft has. Because, like, it, yeah. dude, active, we're talking Activision. I mean, that alone, I don't need to mention anything else, just Activision. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. crazy. And then you stack Bethesda on that, that's like, I mean, that's too, like, and I mean, just the umbrella of developers that those two cover alone, it's very, it's probably impossible to replicate, especially with that caliber. It, yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane. Um, I, think, I think if Sony's really trying to, I, I don't think they should be trying to compete with Xbox anymore. I think Xbox has just kind of transcended and Sony is now in this weird predicament of like still in the console wars meta, but they're not in direct competition with like somebody like Nintendo because Nintendo is entirely, it's its own niche. Yeah. That's all they care about. It's like, like I don't want to get into Nintendo right now, but everybody knows that's like its own thing. Whereas Sony was always like competing with Xbox. Xbox has gone with these acquisitions and trying to be entirely like in the cloud and doing Game Pass. Where I think Sony needs to go to its roots, its roots of being essentially like a peripheral seller, like monitors, TVs, consoles, headphones. It's like if I'm a Sony marketer and director, I think the play now is to purchase Dolby, integrate Dolby like sound with Sony encompass it into like a super sony tv that has both of those setups sell it with a playstation and then incorporate their home theater yeah. and just go direct competition with online gaming <laughs> yeah. against xbox and also home entertainment features that nintendo does yeah you know what i mean like their mm -hmm. vr system is actually really sick why don't you sell a like speaker system that does surround sound and have vr cameras implemented in the room and all of a sudden, you don't need a headset or, like, well, you do need a headset. But you don't need, like, the wands and stuff. You can literally just use your body. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's I think, the market that they should go in. But it just seems like they're trying to create another Game Pass. And we see technology, like, companies start chasing other co companies and not really innovating. They get lost. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. Uh, I, I, I agree with that, too, I think. They should definitely go. They should definitely take a different approach on it. Because, like, you're not going to be Game Pass. Like, 
you just like i'm like i'm sorry but you just aren't and that's not necessarily a bad thing right like sony's not hurting <laughs> like no I mean, no it's same that, like nintendo yeah. like these like these developers they're aren't hurting right it. like yeah they're all yeah. doing very well so like they don't need to be game pass they don't need to be nintendo exactly like, they can just there but like you're saying i think there is a hole in hardware like they could probably yeah. try and fill that and do like just come up with these crazy ideas like yeah they may not sell well but like so what try it out at least if it doesn't work it doesn't work you know kind of Dude, I, will tell, I will tell you right now i have i have a tv that's like seven years old if i could buy a new hd like 4k tv that already had a playstation like ps5 even a ps4 implemented it i would buy that tomorrow <laughs> i would not care i would immediately do that and you're telling me i don't have to worry about hooking up my console underneath the stand and yeah. have to put like that ugly looking playstation sorry sony fans but that's an ugly <laughs> playstation put that underneath your stand like come on man you tell yeah. me it's built into the tv you know how you know how sick that would look if all you have is a TV mounted on the wall, nothing near it. Yeah, nothing under it. And you're playing PlayStation. Be kind of sick. Not gonna I'm lie. Tell it, bro, hire me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I will be a Dude. consultant. <laughs> I got I ideas. Mean, it's it's. Yeah. I feel like I'm selling the dream right now. Yeah. Um, I was like, well, as you were saying that, I was trying to think of arguments against that. It's like, well, then I can't bring my console with me anywhere. But like, who brings their console anywhere? And like, yeah. if I could bring a whole TV, hey, my whole setup's right here, dog. I don't need to bring anything else. Yeah. Like, do you know, go to that one. Yo, come to the land. Okay, what do you need? What do I need? I got the TV, dog. It's all in one. All in, you know how sick that would be? Oh my God, I'm so amped up right now. We need to pop off on this podcast, get some clout so I can DM a Sony rep and he responds. Because I'm telling you, we could crush this game. Oh my God. They're not even going to talk about Xbox oh, anymore. Show up to a land, bro. That's so good. Oh my god. Yeah, show up to a show up to a land. What do you got? I got 24 inch got... TV, <laughs> and then the other sponsor team have 60 inch TVs. <laughs> you know how crazy Dude. that would be. Oh man, lands would hit different. Oh my gosh, oh, it'd be so sick. It's like oh. bring your own. You know the bring your own computer lands that they do, yeah. like DreamHack does. Oh it's yeah. Like yeah. bring your own TV. <laughs> it's got a PlayStation built in. Yeah, people are gonna be like, "It's too big, dude." We had like ten years of tube TVs. Yeah. It's gonna be okay. CRTVs. <laughs> Come on, man. On, man. So I, I think the conclusion, the conclusion of this article is, uh, <laughs> "Hey Sony, don't go for games. Just, just go for hardware. Like, yeah. <laughs> like try and find a different niche. Like, don't get me. Well, I mean, I don't know. I should be that blunt. Like, obviously, if you know, you find some studios that need help or something, then yeah, great. But like, also like." Try and like innovate in other areas because I think that's where you'll see like the greatest amount of um of fruits to the labor, so to speak. Um so yeah. yeah. Just do it, Sony. All right, just do it, dude. Um I will buy all the Sony Sony stock. Like <laughs> I buy so many TV PlayStation combos where the stock you wouldn't even believe, man. Uh, bring it to <laughs> bring it to the land. Bring Ooh. it to the land. Oh god. Okay. I tore you up on that. You almost coughed, dude. That's how you're holding the sickness. <laughs> There's the cough, dude. That was so good, though. Oh, okay. Um, you know what's not good? No. You're about I, to tell uh, me, though. About to tell you. <laughs> I know you don't want to know, but you're about to find out. I uh, know. So Intel CEO expects that the chip shortage will last until 2024. That's his prediction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so less than a year ago, the article also states less than a year ago, the Intel CEO expected the chip shortage to drag into 2023, 
And now he's delayed that into the next year. Uh, or I guess uh, they've delayed that into the next year. Uh, Intel CEO Pat, um, Pat Gelsinger is uh, anticipating of the chip shortage, which has been negatively impacting many industries, including the gaming industry, will remain an issue well into 2024. So uh, let's see what the, uh, what the reasoning might be. So in a recent interview with CNBC, uh, the CEO told the outlet that the chip shortage might drag on for two years due to the strain on key manufacturing tools. We believe the overall semiconductor shortage will now drift to 2024. They previously predicted several times that they expected the chip shortage to drag into 2023, with the first mention coming last July during the company's Q2 earnings call. In October 2021, he reiterated that the supply chain issues could extend into 2023. But now in the uh, Q1 2022 earnings call, they're, they're suspecting, you know, it's going to go on for another year. Um, very unfortunate, but at the same time, Xbox, I think, has proven that even though there is still a chip shortage, the amount of people like trying to scout consoles and the amount of people yeah. that need consoles at this point is a lot less than it was last year, right? Um, I mean, just the fact yeah. that the Series X was in stock for, you know, and some retailers for at least like, a, I don't know, a few days a week, something is crazy. Yeah, it's, um, it's getting more and more, yeah. I mean, and especially, you know, retailers like, you know, around like Target, you know, we did that article about Target trying to... Um, Reapproach the way they sell these consoles to you know have give people a better uh, give people a better chance of getting them. I, yeah, I think try that, to try to curb the uh, scalpers was right. the big thing. Yeah, I mean just changing the approach. I think retailers are getting more innovative with it. So I mean, I think overall, like although this chip shortage is a thing and it's going to be a thing for a while, I think the biggest industry this affects is probably the car industry, the automotive industry. Yes, that absolutely. is that, that this will probably absolutely. affect that until 2024, 2025. Like, I mean, that's just yep. there's no doubt because um, like that's just that bad. Like you if you've ever been to a dealership recently, to, like get any maintenance done, you know what I'm talking about. It's a, you're not it's seeing nutty. any new cars on the lot in the showroom. Nothing. Um, or and you're seeing a desperate bunch, for used yeah, cars, like desperate. desperate. And then like you go out, you'll see like there's like videos and stuff of like these huge like lawns and like not lawns but like huge like factories and stuff where they just have these cars completely done except for the computer just not they don't have any yeah, electronics just, in it just hanging it's, up it's yeah like, they're just chilling um and the wait lists are like t ridiculous like 2024 2025 for some of these cars crazy um and this is 2022 models it's it's insane um th that probably won't slow down anytime soon unfortunately but uh no. but I, I think of the console market where i'm not as worried about it because like I said, I mean, it's not a necessity like a car is, you know, it's, uh, it's, um, there's going to be ways that especially retailers are going to try to combat some of the scalping and stuff. So, um, I'm not as worried about it. I don't know, but what do you think, Mike? Well, so the supply chain issues could extend until 2023. That is basically coming on the heels of China being on lockdown. Like Beijing has been on lockdown for five weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're going into the next with no sign of it becoming unlocked you know yeah lock lock up no that's you know what i mean people can go to work and start getting back to the supply chain so <laughs> yeah. uh i mean yeah prices are going to go through the roof my car value is probably going to go even higher as the year goes on <laughs> kind of excited cars paid off boys <laughs> pay off your cars maybe sell them after the end of this <laughs> like right at the tail end time the market it never it always works out don't actually do that not financial advice um but yeah i think uh when it comes down to these chips and the shortages it's like 
I wish I kind of knew, because they always use this term, like, chip shortage. It's like, well, which chips? Like, which ones in particular? It just seems like they're talking about everything that can go into these motherboards. Like, everything's just frozen. One thing after another. We don't have the raw materials at first. Everybody's getting the raw materials from, like, wherever they're getting it from. And now they're like, well, we're not being able to build them and ship them out of China now. Or, like, Taiwan or wherever it's coming from. So, it's uh, it's not good. And it, this literally comes on the heels of us having a podcast episode two weeks ago about how, like, you could start getting consoles again. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was a nice week. Right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know? yeah like, I'll read the, I, I want to read the last paragraph of this article. It says that Intel has Go also been, been one of the few companies that have been investing exponentially in, uh, into new production lines. Uh, Though these new fab locations are not expected to open for another two to three years, the most notable location Intel announced back in January was in Ohio, which will be the home to the largest silicon manufacturing location on the planet. At the same time, Whoa. other new fabs currently under construction are located in Arizona and Germany. Um, and that's something I had heard too recently that like, you know, to combat the shortage, like, to, yeah, yeah, like to combat the shortage, like they want to like just expand production because that's probably the quickest way that we'll be able to get out of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean. It's, I, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, like you're stating, I mean, a lot of places around the world are on lockdown still. It's like there's a lot still combating against, uh, like, efficient production of these chips. So, um, and yeah, I mean, raw materials, I mean, who knows? Like, I, 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 I don't know if, like, raw materials are at a point where it's like, this is due to that, or if it's just literally we don't have the space to manufacture all this stuff. Um, I don't know the exact, you know, statistics on that or anything about that, really, but... I mean, it seems like they're, try you know, at least Intel's trying to do something about it, especially on the CPU side. I mean, so and it'll be an yeah, interesting actually, uh, couple of years. Yeah, super nutty that they're doing it in, in, in Ohio and Arizona. I mean, if you don't know, like the, the Tesla thing, I think it's either Nevada or Arizona. They have like a gigafactory that they're doing. They also have one that they're building in China. But at the, simultaneously, they're trying to do one in the U.S. And uh, I didn't know that Intel was actually doing this. This is pretty interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, kudos yeah. to Intel, right? <laughs> yeah. Where you at, AMD? We praise you, you all the time. Where's that production where, lineup? Where you at? DDR5 got. requirement? Where you at? <laughs> yeah. The, all of that just to not build it? Like, come on. <laughs> You're going to sit here and make me upgrade my latest RAM? Come on. Either Malaysia and China is assembly and test uh, manufacturer facilities. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, hey, we can rely on Intel, right? We, AMD maybe not so much to try and you know get us out of the shortage, but uh, you know who I'm like looking to try and rely on this summer for latest in gaming news. Okay, number one's this podcast. Don't forget that. But number two <laughs> is is the uh, is the summer games fest. Uh, they they are taking E3's June slot. Um, Jeff Keighley is now the summer game king, according to this article from The Verge. Um. They announced this past week Summer Games Fest is going to kick off this year on June 9th at 2 p.m. Eastern. Mark your calendars uh, on Google, on Apple, uh, your physical calendar if you still have one. Uh, the live show is going to be hosted um, by Jeff Keighley, of course. Um, and according to the press release, the show will be streamed on basically every platform, including YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook. I mean, it's like the Game Awards, right? I think it's on everything, yeah. and there's millions of people watching worldwide. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean... They, they announced this recently. I also saw um, that was recently announced in tandem with Summer Games Fest um, that there is going to be an Xbox and Bethesda game showcase on June 12th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so if you're looking to tune into that as well that week. Um, so it's going to be 
Thursday, uh, June 9th is when this is. It's on a Thursday, and then the uh, Xbox Showcase is going to be on a Sunday at 1 p.m. So, um, so I mean, one is kind of during work, which kind of sucks. I mean, uh, you know, if you work yeah. from a remote, you could probably catch it. But, uh, but yeah, if you're at work, it may be kind of hard to catch. You may have to catch it afterwards, but um, at least on Sunday. Uh, assuming you don't work on Sunday, then you watch it catch live. It. Yeah, you watch it yeah. live. Um, All and, of it's going to be saved on VOD content, yeah. too. So. Um, but that's also an important note for this show. June 9th, I, we're probably going to have a giant segment on Summer Games Fest on that showcase. Um, yeah. We're definitely going to go over I, everything, what they talk about, what we liked. And uh, that's going to be a huge thing, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, so, Yeah, um, usually uh, we, we had a similar circumstance, I think, in the past. But basically, the entire episode might just be the Summer Game Fest, depending on what like they cover. I mean, if it bangs, like, if you it's, know? If it bangs, yeah, we're covering dude, it yeah. like, the whole time. We'll just scrap oh, the week. Besides, the week review is going to be all the hype for the Summer Game Fest anyway. Yeah. And like rumors, leaks, stuff like that. Unless we just, I mean, maybe maybe June is just going to, the first week of June is just going to be lit. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't know. You never know, dude. Never know in the so, news market, but, really but all I know is, happen. yeah, exactly. I mean, all I will say is be prepared for June 9th's episode, uh, or I guess June 10th's episode. Uh, we'll be recording mm. on the ninth, but uh, we will definitely go into detail of what they cover and that. And then the following week, I'm sure if there's anything banging from Xbox or Bethesda, we're going to cover that as well. Because um, I'm sure I'm like almost positive they're going to have Starfield news on that showcase. Oh god, yeah, dude, I cannot yeah, yeah. wait to cover that. So yeah, keep an eye out. June 9th, June 12th, those are the big uh, showcases. I don't, I don't think there's too much else, at least that they've been out so far for Summer's Games Fest, like huge events. They always do stuff throughout the summer. Um, so just keep an eye out. Uh, there is a Summer Games Fest website. I uh, highly recommend you check that out. Uh, that gives you all the times, where to see everything. Uh, it's a beautiful website too. I don't know who designs it. It actually but, is kind of, kind dude, of pretty. Same thing with like the uh, the Game Awards website. It's always really well made. Dude, yeah. <laughs> like Jeff always finds like these insane developers to make those. Um, they're really good. So uh, not too much else to cover on that. Just a lot of exciting uh, gaming stuff on the horizon, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually, it's looking pretty good. Um, I do want to ask you one question, okay? Uh, we're going to get into, essentially, the, the new games coming up part of the segment, because it is the beginning of the month. Uh, first episode of every month, we cover uh, the upcoming games for the month. Yep. But before I want to do that, I want to ask you how Switch Sports was, because I had things to do after work yesterday, and today, I have not gotten the hard copy. Oh, I need dude. to do that. But I know you have played it, and you played it with Preware. Shout out to Preware. Sure he was a guest, by the yeah, way. Go the check boy. out that episode. Oh, yeah. Check that episode for sure. Um, Yeah, we played a little bit. It was, uh, I think I got like, I don't know, maybe like hour, two hours in at most. Um, But I got to play most of the games. I think the only thing I haven't played is the uh, um, the sword one and the soccer game. I think those are the two I haven't played. But uh, we tried out bowling. We tried out volleyball. We tried out... Uh, Badminton, all were a lot of fun. Um, I like. I definitely want to like go back in again and like play soon. Uh, we didn't try bowling with obstacles, which I was like dying to try. So that that will definitely be the next session, I think. But I mean, overall, the multiplayer is, dude. It's like smooth. <laughs> like we didn't have any issues. Like it's like there's no connection issues. Everything seemed pretty fluent. Um, the motion controls. I mean, I have to play with a little more. I think at times. The controls were like a little like finicky like sometimes especially in like uh especially in badminton it's like 
I would like I'd be able to hit these like nasty hard shots and I was just like barely flicking my Joy-Con <laughs> and it was like whipping the the um the other uh, <laughs> thing so I yeah I don't know that those games are you know a little more time I think will be needed to learn how to play them but but yeah. overall man everything uh, so far has been pretty smooth I'm very happy with the game and it's like you know it's it's meeting expectations for me you know um spe- speaking of like the hard copies when it comes to Nintendo games um I recently found out uh, from actually Gunshot, and we had his manager um, as another podcast episode, Lila So Sweet. Check that episode out. Pretty cool. But he was talking to me about Nintendo, and what they do is is they do um, they make hard copies of their games for about two years, and then they never make hard copies again. Essentially, creating the hard like the hard copy physical copy of the games as a uh, a collector a collector's item because you know how nintendo products typically will go up in value the longer you have them yeah so that's something to think about when you're buying nintendo games i didn't know they were doing that did you have yeah. any idea they like stop oh, i know i did stop hardcore like yeah we're done we're out which makes sense you can't find Wii we games anymore yeah it's like they get hard like, to find you, yeah yeah you can the only games that i think you can find are like Nintendo 64 remakes, and those are done by like third parties, and they're not <laughs> yeah. sanctioned by Nintendo, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's uh, yeah, but Nintendo doesn't care. It's like N64, that's from 50 years ago, <laughs> yeah, right? So, um, yeah, but that's just something I learned. Um, I need to get Nintendo Switch, uh, sports and compete against you and pre war, yeah, so for sure. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, we definitely need to do a session, uh. I know we have some other people, especially in the Discord, that have Switches, so maybe we convince some people yes. to hop on. Um, yeah, I know. I actually saw one the other day, one of my good friends. I ran into him uh, trying to get some uh, chicken cheese steaks. And, <laughs> yeah, ran into him, and I was just like, have you played any, like, Nintendo? I was like, you know, Switch, Switch Sports? And he goes, I've been thinking about that game. He's like, as hyped <laughs> up as I was. So. <laughs> Telling you, man. There's plenty of people that have a Switch in the Discord, so I'm really excited to start spamming the uh the nintendo hey <laughs> like, man come play this is the biggest one of the biggest releases in a while at least for me on the switch that like it's been like yeah. whoa like this is actually making me want to play so yeah facts um, so yeah so uh all right so uh let's go ahead and cover the upcoming games there isn't actually a whole lot that are like blockbuster like super hype games for this month but the ones that we can essentially touch on is and I'll try to do this in a release date order. I they're kind of jumbled. I messed this up. But the first one is Trek to Yo uh, Yomi Yami. I'm gonna offend somebody off of that. <laughs> <laughs> but that came that came uh, May fifth. So today, as the recording of this Thursday of uh, the podcast, it comes out on PC, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation Four, and Xbox One. It's essentially a samurai game, black and white. Looks like an adventure game, kind of a slasher franchise. Uh, looks really interesting. There's also a remake slash port, um, Warhammer Forty Thousand Chaos Gate Demon uh, Demon Hunters Demon Hunters, and that's only on PC. That came out also today, May fifth. And let's see, we're on May tenth. Salt and Sacrifice that comes out on PlayStation Four, PC, and PlayStation Five. We have Evil Dead, the game, PC, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One, and that comes out on the Switch as well. And let's see. 
May 19th, Vampire, The Masquerade, Swan Sung. That's all platforms right there, including the Switch. We have 26, 24. Okay, here we are. 24 MX versus ATV Legends. Looks like a sports uh, game, racing game, kind of rally game on motorcycles and ATVs. That's on every platform except for the Switch. We have My, my Time at Sandrock is on PC May 26th. And finally, Sniper Elite 5. That's on all platforms except for the Switch. So I know that one is probably the most hyped of the entire month. And it actually looks pretty cool. It's set around World War II, your sniper. I mean, we're on the fifth series. I'm not sure I have to actually explain it to people at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's the uh, infamous sniper game. When you shoot the bullets and hit somebody, it goes in slow motion. That's yeah. pretty much why a lot of people know it. And um, I believe, are you uh, are you showing it on? Um, so I am video? showing. I'm showing... Uh, I think vampire. The, the vampire the masquerade i've heard a lot about i think they did like a battle royale recently i heard a lot of good things about this game like just this franchise in general um yeah. and a lot of people are looking forward to swan song so i thought it was worth kind of showing real quick um kind of what this game may be about uh yeah it certainly looks uh certainly looks interesting i think it's seems to be kind of a rather story based and uh seems to be like some rpg elements too um so yeah, it seems to be kind of a, an, RGB, an RPG take on the series. So um, if you're into RPGs, it's probably a, uh, <laughs> could be an interesting one to check out. Yeah, kind of right off the bat, some of the art style and like the way the vampires look actually give me the vibes of Underworld. Have you ever yeah. seen that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like right off the bat, it was just like, is this? I kind of want to see a game of Underworld now. <laughs> yeah. That was my initial thoughts when I saw it. Yeah see this even has like traits talents yeah they're like going full rpg with this <laughs> like given like skills and stuff yeah you can customize your entire appearance as well it looks like oh that yeah it's cool yeah that, huh. it looks this interesting is... i think yeah. i think it's worth checking out yeah this, this seems like it's kind of like right up my alley because i just i, I love yeah, this RPGs, is your style so it's like yeah this is definitely out. your style yeah. yeah dialogue everything oh my goodness um yeah. and uh we have way more selections. Like every single month, we basically post to the Discord of all the games that are coming out and all the platforms they're on and the dates. So if anybody wants to check that out, feel free to join the Discord. We got the links in the description. And for those still listening, um, Kyle is pulling up on the video Sniper Elite 5 gameplay, the, uh, the official gameplay features. Yeah. That Let's actually, see, uh... that trailer came out a few days ago. Yeah, very three days recent. ago by the time you guys hear this uh, very, uh, podcast for the first time. Very recent. But yeah, if you played Sniper Elite at all, I mean, you know what to expect. It could probably be a lot of the same stuff, but award-winning series, as they say in the uh, trailer. It and uh, there's no denying, it's a lot of fun. I mean, especially, uh, I know 3 and 4 had co-op. It looks like this is going to have a co-op mode, too. Um, it is. Yeah, yeah hop in with a buddy. <laughs> you can play some co-op. It's, uh, it's a realistic sniping. Uh, so, um, yeah, it looks like there's just, um, yeah, improved traversal. It seems like they pretty much just improved a lot upon uh the old sniper elites um i think as a it seems like as a move like from a movement perspective it seems like this is going to be much better than the previous entries um and the customization looks insane so <laughs> it's uh definitely an improvement of the old ones and uh if you like sniper elite this is a uh, it's right around the corner man it's not far yeah looks super sick again uh sniper elite comes out on all platforms except for the switch and Vampire Masquerade is on literally all platforms, so 
yeah, definitely those are two games I think to keep an eye out on this month. Uh they're towards especially sniper release towards the end of the month, but still a good one. Yeah. Well, I feel like uh that's about everything for the for the last week. Um good to have you back, man. Missed you in the last uh, Yeah, I'm uh, I'm glad to be back. I was I know I was telling you I was like afraid I was probably gonna miss I'd have to miss a game with sickness, but I felt much better when I woke up this morning, which is which I was yeah, super happy about. So Gonna have me rambling again. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, my voice is probably probably sounds sick, but I, I assure you, I'm doing well. <laughs> so yeah, I I can hear it a little bit, but I've I've heard you. I think worse before. Oh You're yeah, all right. Yeah, <laughs> thankfully it didn't affect my vocal cords. I know. I think last time I got like COVID or something, it like it actually like messed with my vocal cords. So I literally just didn't have a voice. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, that sounds awful. I, yeah. I don't even think I had that. I was sick. I was really like messed up for like a, a month or two. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. yeah, for like a solid like few days, especially in, like work meetings and stuff. It was like good luck trying to understand what I was saying because it just wasn't happening. Yeah, but uh, losing your voice, like <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll just, I'll just keep it to text chat. Not gonna do anything, but yeah. Do you, do you, did you ever try text to speech in the meetings? Oh God, no. That's probably that a good thing I did. So good. <laughs> it would have been hilarious. <laughs> you talking and then oh, it just the robot yeah. comes out. <laughs> Welcome to the meeting. <laughs> like overpronounced. <laughs> Something like that. God. Yeah, but I'm glad to be back. And uh yeah, that especially with uh the upcoming stuff and you know, going into this month and next month with Games Fest. I think it's gonna be uh gonna be a lot to cover and uh it's just I'm so excited. So excited. Yep. I mean, we say it almost every episode. It's a great time to be a gamer. It's a great time. It really is. It always is, man. It always is. Uh I like to I, 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 we have such an optimistic outlook on it because, like, it's just gaming's great, you know. I'll say it's it lit. till uh, say it to the day I die. Gaming is amazing, you know. Yeah, it really is. Well, I guess that wraps it up, right? Yeah. Episode sixteen. This is the M Two Podcast. We are your hosts, hostesses, hostesses, hostesses. Host. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Anthony and Kyle Heath. Sir. links in the description below hit us up whatever you want to do hope you enjoyed subscribe follow like whatever yeah you know the checks out all the platforms check the links in the description thank you guys for listening yep. in the next episode yep. see you in episode 17 let's go peace bye